Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you're fascinated by the darker sides of humanity, join us every week on our podcast, Serial Killers, where we go deep into notorious true crime cases. With significant research and careful analysis, we examine the psyche of a killer, their motives and targets, and law enforcement's pursuit to stop their spree. Follow Serial Killers wherever you get your podcasts and get new episodes every Monday. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. Before we get started, I wanted to take a minute to thank all of our patrons for joining us to help Something Scary do all the things that we do. It's not easy being dependent on ads, and we are so grateful for everyone who chooses to join on Patreon and help us keep bringing you weekly episodes. Shout out to Nix and Emily Sandin, who joined us earlier this month. Go to patreon.com slash snarled to join the Something Scary community. You'll be happy and scared that you did. We all love to cool off on those hot summer days by jumping into a pool, lake, or the ocean. But safety must come first. Not the obvious learning how to swim or wearing gear like wetsuits, but safety from the unknown, the slippery creatures that lurk under the surface. We should beware the call of the water. It may promise wonders, but beneath its seductive facade lies sinister secrets that may lead us to a fate far worse than death itself. First, a deadly reflection, followed by a dangerous dive. Then, a dream pool turned whole of nightmares. Finally, in our featured story, a monster in disguise. So, want to hear something scary? Into the watery abyss. Be careful what you're seeking, because you might just find it, and it will be your undoing. Like in this story, inspired by Plemon Pavlov. Constantine was a kind-hearted man who lived in a small village nestled deep within the beautiful landscapes of Serbia. He was known throughout the village for his love and compassion towards animals, and he dedicated his life to tending to his fields, 
and caring for the creatures that roamed his property. One summer day, as the sun cast its golden rays across the land, Constantine was working near a tranquil river that flowed through the outskirts of the village. It was his sanctuary, a place where he often sought solace from the world's chaos. Thirsty from the work and heat, Constantine stooped down to drink from the river. As he knelt, his eyes caught a glimpse of movement in the reflection of the surface. Startled, Constantine peered into the water, his heart racing. There, in the distorted image, he saw something that resembled no creature of this earth. It was an otherworldly being, its appearance grotesque and unsettling. Its eyes glowed with an eerie light, and its limbs twisted and contorted in unnatural ways. The next thing he knew, he was on the ground bleeding from a head wound and surrounded by strangers. He didn't know how long he had been out. Everyone assumed he had tripped and injured himself during his visit to the river. Rushing him to the village healer, he hoped for a speedy recovery, unaware of the horrors that had befallen him. As Constantine drifted in and out of consciousness, he became consumed by an insatiable obsession. The creature he had glimpsed in the water. It haunted his dreams, a specter that beckoned to him from the depths of his mind. He felt a magnetic pull, drawing him back to the river, luring him closer to the entity that had entered his life. He tried to sketch what he saw in his journal, capturing every detail he could remember. Days turn into nights, and Constantine's mental condition deteriorated rapidly until the seventh day after the incident when he died. After Constantine's passing, his friend, Alexander, stumbled upon the journal tucked away in a dusty corner of his cottage. Curiosity compelled him to delve into the contents, unaware of the horrors he was about to uncover. The pages revealed the truth, the terrifying reality that Constantine had faced his final days. Constantine's journal entries chronicled his descent into madness. He wrote of sleepless nights, plagued by whispers and footsteps that echoed through his home when he was alone, shadows dancing on the walls, flickering and contorting into grotesque shapes. He described how the creature from the river had followed him, its presence lurking in every corner of his life, never leaving him alone. As Alexander read further, a sense of dread filled his heart. The entries grew more erratic, the handwriting jagged and frenzied. Constantine wrote of the creature's relentless pursuit, how it whispered dark secrets into his ear, driving him to the brink of insanity. He had become convinced that the creature sought his soul, a malevolent force from another realm. In the final pages of the journal, Constantine described his impending doom. He knew that his days were numbered, as the creature had promised him death within seven days of their first encounter. Heartbroken, Alexander closed the journal, the weight of the new information heavy on his shoulders. He knew too much, and he just had to see for himself what Constantine was battling. So with determination, Alexander ventured to the river to find the creature. No one would ever know what happened there, but seven days after his trip, he died. 
the village mourned the loss of Constantine and Alexander and warned no one else to travel to the river looking for something you cannot return from. Have you ever seen something that haunted you? Something that was seared into your brain forever? What ways did you cope with the images? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Cave diving is an extreme sport for a reason. The perilous nature of the activity is enough to give even experienced divers pause. But if you do end up in an underwater cavern, can you really be sure of what you think you saw down there? I've been swimming and diving almost since I could walk. My parents are marine biologists and certified diving instructors, so life in the ocean is second nature. Although I am as comfortable under the water as on land, I also have a healthy respect for it. Just because you get used to seeing sharks doesn't mean you forget that they are killers. And every wreck dive reminds you of what can happen with one fatal mistake. Especially if you ever go cave diving, which combines the claustrophobic subterranean exhilaration of caving with scuba diving. A bucketless item for adrenaline junkies. Even though I was old enough and had enough experience behind me to do it in theory, cave diving was the one thing I was banned from due to how potentially dangerous it was. And while I was never going to attempt to tame a great white, it was the one thing I secretly coveted. It happened the summer before I became a senior. We were in South Africa with a documentary crew because my parents were ocean experts and could assist in getting underwater footage. We got to travel all over the world. We'd been there around a week when I found the cave. Since I was almost 18, I often assisted with their work, especially if there was a chance to crew. But I was also allowed to explore alone, so long as I always promised to be safe. And up until the day I stumbled upon what looked like a boarded up old mine entrance with a faded sign which read, Diablo Cavern, I had kept that promise. I didn't want to ask anyone about it in case it got back to mom and dad. So I looked it up online and discovered it wasn't actually a mine, but a really, really deep cave and 100% out of bounds. There were reported cases of experienced divers going down and never coming back up, including a local teen called Leon Evans, who'd gone missing around 10 years ago. 
and was believed to have become yet another victim of the cavern. It should have raised alarm bells. Instead of the level of danger only added to the excitement. I thought I knew best. The perfect opportunity arose a couple of days later. My parents would be away all day, and I had already told them I was going to do some exploring and needed my dive gear. It wasn't a lie. Also, if you're going to make something out of bounds, some rotten wooden boards won't keep people out. It was easy to break in. I did all my safety checks and then entered the water, descending deeper and deeper into the darkness. As I shone my torch, I marveled at the sights, knowing no one else had been down here for years. I kept an eye on my watch and how far down I was going when suddenly, the water in front of me clouded. Something was stirring up the silt. I waited for it to clear, enough for me to be able to see again and shone my torch all around to see what had caused the movement. When all of a sudden, there it was. I think I tried to scream. I certainly took in some water and felt myself begin to panic. I've seen all sorts of dives, including once receiving the signal to get out immediately as a shark had been spotted. But until that moment, I hadn't seen a dead human. A dead human that had been underwater for around 10 years. Although various things had rotten, been eaten, corroded away, I could clearly see there was still a rope which had gotten tangled around him and must have prevented his escape and the patch on his wetsuit that said Evans. Panicking underwater is one of the worst things you can do, so I was desperately trying to remember all my training and get myself back up to the surface when I felt my own rope snag. Somehow, it had gotten caught up with Evans' leg, and for a split second, as I desperately tugged at it, I came face to face with what was left of the young diver. I don't remember much else. I was able to get back up to the surface, but I must have passed out shortly after. Thankfully, I had left my belongings in the cave, knowing no one would enter to steal them, and my parents found me via the GPS tracker on my cell. I woke up in the hospital almost a week later. A rescue team went back down there after I was able to tell them what I'd seen. They searched and searched but found no trace of any body. The only thing that they brought back to the surface was a piece of rope and a scrap of material from a wetsuit. A scrap of material with the word Evans on it. Have you ever been diving? Would you ever consider cave diving? How would you feel being underwater and in the dark? When tragedy strikes, you can try to find the silver linings, or you can make everyone else suffer along with you. Like in this story, inspired by Katrina. The sweltering summer heat had driven the Ray's family indoors all day, seeking refuge from the oppressive temperatures. But as the evening approached and the air cooled, they went back outside for a night swim. The Ray's family had just moved into the suburban home. Their backyard had a sparkling pool that glistened inevitably under the fading light. It was the perfect way to beat the summer heat. As the rays gathered around the poolside, 
Laughter and excitement filled the air. Brooklyn, the youngest of the family, jumped into the water with a splash, her giggles echoing across the yard. Her parents, Danny and Lisa, watched proudly as their children enjoyed themselves. Little did they know that beneath the serene surface of the pool, a dark secret lay hidden. A decade ago, the property had been home to a family with a tragic past. The husband, driven mad with jealousy, had drowned his wife and two children in that very pool before being shot dead in the arrest process. Their souls remained trapped, their restless spirits lurking in the depths, waiting for someone to disturb their eternal slumber. An eerie feeling settled over the backyard. The once lively pool grew still, its waters turning murky and unsettling. Danny had a sudden sense they weren't alone, of being watched. He glanced around nervously, but everything appeared as it should, except for a strange figure standing at the edge of the pool. Lisa, catching sight of her husband's face, followed his gaze and gasped. There, on the pool deck, stood a naked woman, her long, dark hair obscuring her face and body. Her presence sent a chill down Lisa's spine. The stranger slowly raised her head, revealing hollow eyes that seemed to pierce through Lisa's soul. Danny, do you see her? Lisa whispered, her voice trembling. Danny nodded, his voice barely a whisper. Get the kids inside. They rushed towards the pool, their shouts of warning drowned out by the children's laughter. Brooklyn and her older brother, Baron, were oblivious to the danger lurking beneath the surface. But as their parents reached the edge, the water turned pitch black, swirling with a malevolent force. In an instant, Brooklyn was yanked under the water, her cries muffled by the oppressive darkness. Baron, paralyzed with fear, watched in horror as his sister was pulled deeper into the depths. Desperation consumed him, and he dove under, desperately searching for her. Neither child resurfaced. Danny and Lisa, panic-stricken, frantically tried to rescue their children, but the water seemed to have a life of its own. Every time they came near the edge, a forceful wave of water would toss them backwards. In the chaos, the ghostly figure at the edge of the pool bore a sinister grin, relishing in the agony of the Reyes. Hours passed, and the night grew colder. By the time the water settled, all Danny and Lisa could do was fish out the dead bodies of their innocent children. The once vibrant pool now appeared as a graveyard, a haunting reminder of the tragedy that unfolded within its depths. As dawn approached, the water gradually returned to its crystal clear state, as if nothing had ever happened. Grief-stricken, the Reyes struggled to come to terms with the loss of their children. They were furious to discover the truth about why the house was on the market for so long and why it was so cheap. It was because of the murders that occurred there. They thought that sort of information had to be disclosed, but the slimy realtor said technically it didn't happen inside the home. The parents were heartbroken, never wanting it to happen to anyone else's child. Danny and Lisa sought the help of a paranormal investigator. Together, they performed a series of rituals and cleansings 
hoping to bring peace to the tormented spirits they believed took their children. Days turned into weeks, and the presence that once plagued their backyard gradually faded. The pool, once a source of joy and relaxation, became a somber reminder of the darkness they had faced. Danny and Lisa made the painful decision to fill it in, erasing the pool and its tragic history from their lives. But some secrets cannot be buried so easily. Late at night, when the moon is full and the air hangs heavy with sorrow, the sound of splashing water echoes through the Reyes' dreams. The ghostly figure returns, a spectral reminder of the evil that once resided in their home. When was the last time you were in a swimming pool? Do you ever feel like something's grabbing at your toes, even though you know nothing's in there? How can you be sure there's not actually something living beneath the surface? In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of a Hawaiian water goddess nightmare inspired by Mina and now animated over on youtube.com slash snarled. Sometimes we set our expectations so high, there's no way reality could live up to our fantasies. And sometimes they're far more devastating than we could ever have imagined. We were pleasantly surprised when our parents announced a vacation to Hawaii. Excitement filled the air as my sister Sima and I immediately began packing our bags. Now, Sima, in particular, was overjoyed beyond words. Her lifelong fascination with mermaids made her believe that visiting the Hawaiian Islands would provide a genuine opportunity to encounter the Namaka, the captivating Hawaiian goddess of the sea. Upon our arrival at the hotel in the early evening, my parents entrusted me with the task of looking after Sima in her room while they stepped out for a swift dinner. Meanwhile, we ordered room service. Sima, however, had other plans. She pleaded with me to go to the beach and search for Namaka. At first, I declined because I really wanted to enjoy the luxury of having this nice hotel room all to ourselves. But her begging wore me down, and eventually, I agreed as long as she promised not to tell her parents. After all, who wants to come back grounded from a vacation? We ventured out of the hotel towards the water. Sima rushed into the waves splashing around. The beach was still fairly busy, so I watched her from the shoreline. An hour passed, and I began to worry that our parents might have returned. I called out to Sima, urging her to come out of the water. However, as we turned around to leave, there was nobody there. The beach had become eerily empty. I thought to myself, there are probably people clearing out due to the sun going down. Nothing crazy. Suddenly, a haunting melody reached our ears, its beauty captivating us in an instant. We exchanged bewildered glances before Sima ran off into the direction of the sound. I called after her, but I wasn't about to chase her down. After a few moments, Sima shouted back at me, unable to contain her excitement. Melanie, look, it's a mermaid. I rolled my eyes. Sima was so gullible. It was bound to be one of those women who dress up for tourists. I headed up to the shore toward her voice. I couldn't believe my eyes. In the light of the sunset, I saw the face of a girl. 
we cautiously approached the young girl. Drawn in by her enchanting song, she possessed luscious white hair and a face of ethereal beauty. But as we ventured closer, the melody took on a darker tone. The sound intensified, growing deeper and more dissonant. And then I saw she had no legs, just a fin. Panic washed over me, and I desperately lunged forward, reaching out to grab Sima and pull her away from the strange creature. But it was too late. The mermaid, who was now in front of us, began to transform. Her once lovely hair fell out into clumps, and her once musical lips were now sewn shut. Her eyes bulged out of their sockets, streaming with blood. Her skin turned jet black as her bones contorted into horrifying features. Her claws were already firmly clasped around my sister's fragile neck, squeezing the life out of her. Seema's screams pierced the air, a heart-wrenching plea for help that seemed to go unheard in the desolate surroundings. Tears streamed down my face as I watched in horror. My mind racing with desperation, I couldn't let my sister die like this. Summoning every ounce of strength and courage, I lunged myself at the creature, clawing at its twisted limbs, doing anything to try and free Sima from its grip. But the monster was relentless. Its strength far beyond my own, with a sickening sound, it unleashed a fury of savage scratches upon Sima's chest. She cried in anguish. The once beautiful melody that lured us now transformed into a nightmare anguish, accompanying my sister's screams. As I fought fruitlessly against the monster, I felt a searing pain across my own body. I realized that my desperate struggle had left me vulnerable, and the hideous creature had seized the opportunity. It swiftly turned its attention to me, its bloodshot eyes locking onto my helpless form. In an instant, its talons wrapped around my throat. I struggled for air, clawing at the creature's hands, but it was all in vain. Darkness closed in around me, suffocating my senses as I witnessed the life force slowly drain from my sister's eyes. Seema's desperate cries filled the air, but I was powerless to save her. The monster was far stronger than I could have ever imagined. This was not the fairy tale mermaid Seema had read about in her books. I watched helplessly as my sister's life slowly drained away. Her innocent spirit extinguished by the merciless claws of a monster. The creature's grip on my throat tightened, and I felt the warmth of my own blood mixing with salt water. Help! I whispered weakly, desperate, knowing that there was no one to answer my plea. The world faded around me as darkness closed in. When I woke up, I found myself at the depths of the sea. My legs had been torn from my body, replaced by a grotesque tail. The pain was excruciating, but it was nothing compared to the torment of my soul. I was no longer human. I had become the creature of the sea, forever cursed to live beneath the waves. Now I reside in the ocean, waiting for unsuspecting children who come searching for mermaids. They are lured by our once beautiful voices, only to meet a horrifying fate. They too join us, trapped in an internal cycle of misery, victims of their own curiosity and our haunting melodies. I wish I could help it, but it's too late. This is who I am.
This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalavos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>